Welcome to the Pool Nation podcast, where it's all pool talk. And we ain't talking about netting and jetting or splashing and dashing. We're talking about becoming a nation of pool pros. We talk about the latest products, trends, and training in the pool industry. Now let's welcome your host with over a decade of industry insider experience and still the reigning champion of Marco Polo, Edgar De Jesus, and his co-host, John J.J. Flawless, the fastest netter in the West, and Zach the Pool Boy Nicholas. Welcome, everyone, to the Pool Nation Live podcast with myself, your host, Edgar DeJesus. And yes, I am the reigning champion of Marco Polo, along with John J.J. Flawless, the fastest knitter in the West, and the famous Zach, the pool boy, Nicholas. Every month, we have the pleasure of having Bob Lowry join us on our podcast to answer water chemistry questions that are sent from you pool guys and pool girls out there. And this is that week. For those of you that know Bob, you know he's a legend in our industry. For those of you that are new into the pool industry... Bob has written 21 books on pool water chemistry, and even the manuals that IPSA uses were written by Bob. He is also the founder of the Pool Chemistry Training Institute. You can visit his site at pcti.online. We will talk about that in today's podcast. I want to welcome everyone to our live podcast, the podcast where it's all pool talk, and we ain't talking about netting and jetting or splashing and dashing. We're talking about becoming a nation of pool pros. And yes, we will talk about the latest products, trends, and training in the pool industry, but before we get started today, I want to thank our sponsors for this podcast, the Ultimate Pool Tools, the SPPA, and the PoolManUniversity.com. John, good morning. I was going to say, morning, before you gentlemen. take that sip, John, good morning. Well, look, I'm taking that sip because I thought I was doing well, but according to our conversation, like five minutes before we started this, you told me that um, I look like I just woke up three minutes ago. And I, I've been up since five or five thirty. So, oh wow, I'm trying to wrap my head around that one, <laughs> trying to figure <laughs> out why <laughs> it looks so terrible. Is it am, am I? Is it that bad? <laughs> so, um, yeah, I, I guess I'm a little rough around the corners right now. I'm, I'm thinking. Um, uh, I, I thought I got some good sleep, but I guess I haven't. But I'm looking forward to recapping our live that we kind of talked about. Or that we did on Wednesday because that got me pumped up and got a lot of people pumped up. And again, always a pleasure to have Bob on because I think we had some pretty good questions here. And it's nice to see Bob's face on our new format here. So it's kind of it's going to be kind of cool to actually interact instead of just talking into a mic in a closet, right? And uh, <laughs> locked up, right? <laughs> locked up like we did before, right? No, I mean. You could let your imaginations run wild and to actually kind of see what attire and what we were what we were actually doing and what our setup was when um, when we were doing the podcast before this before we had video. So, anyways, when we didn't have the video, absolutely. Yeah. Bob, good morning. Well, good morning, Buenos Dias from Lima, Peru, where we've finally got a new president, although he hasn't been inaugurated, but they finally have done all the legal haranguing to to decide which uh, candidate's going to be our president now. So we have a new president. His name is Pedro Castillo. For those of you that don't speak Spanish, his name is Peter Castle. 
<laughs> but anyway, um, he's uh, from not from Lima. He's not really a political guy. So we're going to see if just a regular guy can can run this country. So it should be interesting. That'll be interesting. And you guys have had, gosh, how many presidents now since we've been? Well, in, in we, we, we have the singular, we have the singular distinction, by the way, of having uh, four presidents in one week. And uh, I don't know that that's happened in history anywhere before, but, but we had a president that was, um, uh, that was impeached and vacated and his replacement lasted for two days and they put in another president and then the congress put in another president and there was one voted in (laughs) so we had four presidents in one week and it just you know countries around the uh, countries and businesses around the world lost confidence in this country just practically overnight fortunately the biggest export here is gold copper and silver so even back 200 years ago the conquistadors were taken i guess it was 300 years ago was taking gold out of this country and they're still taking gold out of this country so there's plenty of it here you just have to dig for it Sounds like a president hot potato, huh, John? If we had four presidents in that short period of time, it'd be kind of hard to take anything serious. But it is, I mean, I guess that's democracy, right, at work? Well, it is. At least it's a democracy. Unfortunately, the way the elections work is it's open for the first round of elections. And so we had 27 candidates. And then they take the top two and they get in a runoff for the president. And unfortunately, the way this thing turned out this time was the top two people, one had 19% of the vote and one had 13% of the vote. And those two people are the two candidates to be the president. So we're ending up with a president of this country that that more than 80% of the people never voted for. That's crazy. That they didn't want. Yeah, I know. It's messy. <laughs> you know, and yet he's elected and here he is, you know, so right. amazing. Hey, John, before we get today's podcast started, I am going to have to say one thing. And I don't, I don't remember if Zach is flying today or if it's tomorrow, but he needs to get back. There's been like this weird thing. I don't know if it's still weird for you, but it's like we're, we're kind of like missing a, a piece of the equation. I am going to have to tell you, John, we have to get even with him because you guys know how I am with my coffee. And the only pictures that I get from him are him at a coffee shop on the water, on the lake with like all these crazy views and it like total rubbing it in. So I think we need to figure out what prank we're going to play on the next podcast for him. I'm out and about, right? It's literally 120 degrees and like 50, 60 percent humidity and we're you know we t- it, it gets hot where we're at and we talk about it all the time but it's relatively dry i mean like pretty dry so the heat's a little different but when you're up in the 50 60 percent humidity and you're at 120 degrees and i'm sitting here literally i'm getting these messages from zach and there's this beautiful scenery right and you got these little <laughs> animals and like little roosters running around and like <laughs> And he's chilling with his feet kicked up, right? And I'm sitting here sweating. And, and I have to consciously make a decision every time I pull the phone out of my pocket. Because when I do, 
I'm like dripping wet and my hands are all sweaty. And, and as soon as I start to use my phone, it starts to like flip out and things start opening up because everything's, you know, it's wet. It's unbelievable. And then as soon as I do that, and then I, I know if I do that, then I can't charge my phone because as soon as I go to plug it in the charger, it says moisture has been detected. Moisture. Yeah. Yeah. And it's just like, oh my God. And I'm looking at all these videos and all these pictures of Zach and I'm like, oh my God. Just a little, just a little bit jelly, a little bit jealous, but it looks like he's having an amazing time and, oh, yeah. and I know it's well-deserved. And Well, I'm in a different hemisphere down here and it is, um, even though most people think that, that Lima is near the equator and we are, and we should be hot, it is right now 65 degrees in my office and, uh, and the humidity is uh, 73%. And of course, with that kind of humidity, it zooms right through whatever you got on. So the cold goes right through your jacket and everything else. So I'm sitting here with a long sleeve T-shirt on and a flannel shirt. Uh, <laughs> you know, July the 23rd. <laughs> the coldest month here is August. And then the hottest month is, is February. So we're the opposite of you guys. Hey, John, I want to talk really quick before we get started with Bob, and we had a whole bunch of questions that were sent in by some of the pool guys out there, but I want to talk about the Instagram Live that we did on Wednesday before we get started with the podcast. So let me start by giving Jared Schwab a big thanks, because that was just so much great information. And John, believe it or not, almost a year ago, we started talking about the issues that the industry was facing. And we started talking about the shortages and the increase in costs that were coming. And Jared was on podcast number three. So he kind of caught us really early on when we started our podcast. And he talked about the prices of cams. And I don't know if you remember back then, he talked about what he forecasted that that they were going to be. And he said anywhere from like 140 to 170. And he's been absolutely dead on talked about what the future looked like. So I highly suggest anybody that has not watched that Instagram live is go to our Instagram page and check it out because there's a lot of great information on there. We're also going to load it, upload it to the Pullman University. So, you know, go back over there, check it out. But it's a must watch. We're going to continue to say it, that the rules of the game have changed. And in order for you to survive, you really need to adapt and you really need to change, guys. I just want to be very clear and that we are right now in what is going to be our new normal. This is the new normal. This is not going to change until we see a drop in demand. And Jared was talking about it, that we're really not going to see a slowdown for any time soon. And John, I know that he sent the link to us about the SCP earnings. And that was just absolutely crazy. I mean, they had a 40% growth and that's just SEP. We're not talking about PWP. We're not talking about PEP. We're not talking about any other distributors. We're talking about SEP and a 40% growth. And they're guiding that the second half of the year is going to be even stronger and they upped their forecast. So whatever they had already forecasted some strong numbers, they went back, they revised those and they're guiding that. There's going to be a lot higher demand in the second part of the year. So what does that mean? Things aren't going to get better anytime soon. And the prices are going to go up again. And we're already starting to see that some of the people that produce, whether it's plastic or components or any of that stuff, have already sent the letter out with another 4.5% increase. 
if those manufacturers are getting that, that means that we're going to see another price increase here soon because somebody has to take that increase, right? And it's not going to be the manufacturers. It's not going to be those guys. They have to pass it on. So listen, having been a manufacturer in this industry, I can tell you that a a 4% increase at manufacturing level probably converts into about a 20 to 25% increase at dealer or, or service tech use. You know, 4% is huge at, manu- at manufacturing level. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, so they're coming. And we, John, we've talked about it. We've been very open about it. We said that it's coming. You, you have to prepare because they're coming. And look, guys, it's not just our industry. Everybody's having issues. Every manufacturer out there continues to have issues with logistics, transportation, the job market. You know, the ports are way backed up. There was 37 ships the other day in Long Beach sitting out in the open ocean like a parking lot. And Jared talked about it on Wednesday. Shipping containers used to cost $700 to ship from China to the U.S. Now those same containers cost $4,000 to ship per container. There's not enough plastic to make buckets that are needed. And they're, you know, the Cal Hypos having to look for different options and different things to be able to package that and get that out. What we talked about, John, is... You pool guys and you pool girls out there need to start looking at your business strategy, and that needs to change if you want to survive. And you can bitch and you can get frustrated all you want, but this is the stage of the game that we're in. And we need to make those adjustments for the future. And you need to look at what business strategies do I need to start thinking about to put my company in survival mode. And John, I called somebody yesterday. I kind of, uh, it's, he's a friend. I kind of tried to explain to him, look, you know, we've been talking that your strategy had to be 60 days out. And now that's looking like it's going to be 12 months out. So you need to change your business strategy. And his emotions got raw and he completely went off on me, John, Bob. He completely went off on me, started even telling me you have no idea what it feels like to be out here doing this and all that kind of stuff. And I'm like, look, man, I know it's not an easy pill to swallow, but I just want you to focus on your business survival. And I'm not doing this to scare you. I'm not doing this to piss you off. It's because I care and I want to inspire you. And I want you to understand that the rules of the game are changing. You know, for everybody out there, we're going to talk about it again. We're going to have Jared kind of come back on one of our podcasts and talk about it. But I want you guys to understand that the rules of the game are going to continuously change and they're ready to change again. I mean, there's products out there, guys, that the back orders are now 12 months on some of those products. John, you and I have talked about it. John and I are thinking about you know, creating a group where we can talk business strategy and we can kind of create a group and have a private conversation on different platforms. We kind of started talking about it, guys. If you're interested, you think you might be interested, email me at edgar at poolnationpodcast.com and then we'll send you some information. We're still kind of working out the logistics and whether we can pull it off or not, but it's something that John and I talked about that might need to be talked about right now with regards to business strategy. Look, I couldn't agree more. And I enjoyed every minute of that live. And I thought it was it was a good change of pace because on the front lines, when you're on the front lines as pool professionals and you're out and you're business owners and you're there, there's a lot of what's that we have to deal with, like what's happening right now. But 
I think there's a there's a shortage in understanding or a lack of knowledge of why things are happening. And it's good to get perspective on kind of how this machine works and how a simple one simple small thing that you might not think impacts you at the very top or something that has no effect on your business right now that happened eight months ago slowly trickles down and we start to feel the pain and it become it's like a domino effect with these things as far as like the shipping covid labor we're talking about like raw materials those little things right now it doesn't we don't see the impact and we've been preaching and talking about it and trying to let people know and it's hard to grasp it it's like it's how i put it very rarely do you find a person who learns simply from from listening to somebody and somebody tell them, hey, look, you might not have experienced this before. Watch out. Don't do this because this will happen. Nine out of 10 times or even 99.9% of the time, someone's going to have to go, ah, well, I got to see it for myself or it hasn't impacted me yet or nah, I really don't believe it until it happens. Just like with kids and, you know, I have have my children and it's like, don't touch the fire. Don't touch the fire. Don't touch the fire. And I'm not in any way saying that's how we are, but as humans, it's a gift to be able to learn off of other people's mistakes or to heed the advice from others that you might not, you don't comprehend because you haven't experienced it, but just to say, hey, look, this person who told me this said this is going to happen. I'm going to sit and I'm going to try to prepare in case it does happen, opposed to waiting and reacting to the situation. Because I think right now what a lot of us are doing in the industry is just simply we're just reacting and where it's like survival mode and it's like, Oh my God, we talked about this. I really didn't think it was going to happen because I didn't see it. I was still able to buy tabs. I was still able to get liquid. I was still able to do this and do that. Um, and then now all of a sudden reality hits and people are panicking. It's rough. It really is. And it's, it, it's really humbling and kind of scary to hear that, it's not going to let up because usually when you know we all have our ups and downs in the industry and we see things where you know we get a little bit of shortage of here or something's going on here we're having a little issue here because of this and but to get hit all at once the way we're being hit it's really going to devastate a lot of people and it's like we talked about it's like survival of the fittest right now and those who prepared and those who are willing to make it happen are the ones that are going to survive and and unfortunately, the ones that are just throwing their hands up saying there's nothing I can do and there's nothing I can do are unfortunately going to suffer for it. So, Well, I think to the manufacturers, John, I think they're in an odd position. There's huge demand that they can't fill, but even if they could fill it, there's a question about whether they should gear up their plant to do it knowing that there may be a slowdown afterward and they may end up having to lay people off. And, and you know, I mean, you can't overreact and then have a plant full of pumps that you can't sell. You know, I mean, they're kind of holding back saying, yeah. I'm not going to make as much as I really can, could or put on some extra people because I don't know if I'm going to, you know, if after the crunch is over, I'm going to need them. That's what, exactly what we said on Wednesday. I sat there and I said, look, so under business standpoint, as a manufacturer, are you going to invest, and I'm just throwing numbers out, are you going to invest $100 million worth of capital, $500 million of capital to be able to produce 200% of supply for right now, and then knowing that 
in eight months or 12 months or 16 months that you're only going to be at 10% capacity in this new facility, what are you going to do? So you're going to invest $500 million to make an additional um, $500 million for this, for this business, whatever, to make an additional X amount of money just for right now when you know that's going to recede. So I get it. I really do. And it's, this is good talk, and this is stuff that we need everybody to understand because as business owners... Part of what really happened from a, a manufacturing standpoint is about 20 to 25 years ago, many of the, the distributors and places like Leslie's tried to cut down on inventory. And they had millions of dollars worth of inventory sitting in their, in their warehouse. And what they decided to do was not have so much inventory in their, in their warehouse and put the burden back onto the manufacturers and said, listen, we're going to go to zero inventory in our place, but we expect you to be able to deliver product to us in three days and X amount when you do. So it put the burden back on the manufacturers. And what that did was a lot of companies were doing zero inventory. And then we had this problem in Texas where everything froze and we needed 10 times what we normally did and nobody had it. The places had zero inventory to back anything up. And then the manufacturers didn't have the stuff that they said they were supposed to have. You know, it's not any easier on the other side being a manufacturer than it is for you guys being out there in, at the front line taking care of the pools. You know, these guys have, have different problems, but nonetheless are as monumental as yours are. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. In their mind, I mean, they want to sell and produce as much product as possible, but it just needs... Well, yeah, who doesn't want that? You know, I mean, what manufacturer holds back hoping they can get a better price? You know, zero. <laughs> yeah, like, oh, you know what? We can sell, sell 500,000 pumps, but yeah, we don't want to this year. We're only, we only want to sell 5,000 pumps. <laughs> yeah, who wants to do yeah, that? Right. <laughs> and, and when, you, when you look at it like that, it's just like, okay, it's just like, you just can't right now. It's like almost, think of this. It's like being a service business or a service company, and all of a sudden you're a one polar and you have X amount of accounts, and then you have an opportunity to pick up 500 pools, but you have to do them. How can you do it, right? It's like, well, I personally, physically, it's impossible. I don't have the infrastructure to be able to take on 500 accounts right now. I don't have trucks. I don't have employees. I don't have this. I don't have that. I just can't do it. So do I want it? Absolutely, I want it, right? And I want to be. Well, and there, but, but there's even guys right now where they're getting calls because there are new pools out there, people that are having problems with their pools. So they start calling the service techs. And I think service techs are going to have to pick and choose the best customers and let some of these, you know, marginal customers go and pick up the new customers that are, are willing to pay the price for what they do. Because what can you do? You, a new customer comes along, you say, well, listen, it's going to be 200 bucks a month. And if he checks around town, everybody's selling at 200 So that's the new going price. But you try to get 200 from an existing customer that was paying 150 and he ain't going to go for it. No, it's a good point. And a lot of people are, aren't, aren't even taking on new clients. You're going to have to decide to consolidate your route so that you don't uh, have to travel as far. You're going to have to pick up the, the good accounts and let some of the marginal ones and the, the ones that are a pain in the ass, let them go. Let them find somebody else. I think it's important to start, you know, strategizing and figuring out how you're going to do this, you know, so that you can be profitable and, 
and take care of your customers. And, you know, customers that complain about a $10 a month increase, you know, who needs them? So, Bob, in all your years in industry, have you ever seen a time like this before? There has never been. I've been in this industry for 48 years as a manufacturer and and an independent chemist. And, And I have to tell you, there's just been nothing that is like this. We had just phenomenal jet growth of spas back in the 70s and 80s. Spas took off like a jet or a rocket. And spa stores were opening up, you know, one a day in California. They were selling the hell out of spas, and it was a great time for the industry. But aside from that, we haven't seen anything that has been like this. We've had no shortages like this. We've had no disasters like Texas had. We've had none of that that have affected the industry like this at all. And John, the thing is, I think a lot of it is, you know, a lot of the emotions are running raw. Just like when I was talking to my buddy and I was kind of trying to explain to him, it was just raw emotion. He just kind of kept getting ramped up and was like, F this manufacturer and F that manufacturer. And and he was just, everybody's just, I think, in the same boat. Everybody's kind of tense and everybody's trying to figure out. Definitely a, a tough spot to be in. But what we want to do, guys, is we want to talk about it so that you're not caught off guard because things are changing again. And we thought that we're like, man, we're in the perfect storm. We've kind of hit the worst of the worst. But based on what we're seeing, it it seems like things are going to get even tougher than what they already are. And I think, too, I was thinking about this a little while ago. A great example is the car market went from fixing things to just replacing it. And, you know, if you go down and you got a problem with your car, first thing you do is say, this component is bad, you need a new one. And it used to be you went down there and they said, this component is bad, I'll fix it. And nobody fixes anything anymore, they just replace it. And that attitude kind of spills over into a lot of things. And maybe instead of if the pump bearing is going out, you don't need to replace the pump, you just need to fix it. Put in a new bearing, learn how to put in a new bearing. I really, when I got in this industry, somebody said, do you know how to replace a pump bearing? And I went, no, I don't know how to do that. It's, you know, that sounds like something like rocket science to me, you know. And and then after I watched somebody do it for 10 minutes, I thought, shit, I could do that. (laughs) So maybe we should get back to repairing things and get back to doing proper, if we can segue, proper chemistry and circulation again. I Lately, I've had a lot of pools where the circulation is the problem. It's not the chemistry. It's, it's the fact that they're either not leaving their pump on long enough or the hydraulics in the pool are not right. The key to that is that you, a guy goes to a pool and he looks in the skimmer basket and there's nothing in it. If there's nothing in the skimmer basket, you got a problem. That means the water isn't flowing around the pool and pulling the stuff off the surface. The stuff that's on the surface of the pool is decomposing and falling to the bottom and creating a a chemical demand. We need to get three turnovers for filtration every day. We need to get fresh water circulating around the pool because it's got sanitizer in it. It moves new sanitizer to areas that that either have used up the sanitizer 
or they're dead areas. Those areas need to get the circulation so that it brings new sanitizer uh, to those areas so you don't get biofilm and algae growing on the walls. Sometimes you get algae growing on the walls because you're running the pump two hours a day. And that's something people don't even think about. Why did I get algae in my pool? How many hours you run in your pump? And it's like, what? (laughs) Well, if you're only running your, you got a variable speed pump and you're only running it four hours or six hours a day or even 12 hours a day, it's not enough. It doesn't do it. That's something that, John, you talked about that the other day. You know, you talked about water chemistry issues and a lot of times it could be just that 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 pump's not, not run. It's not on. Yeah, it's just sitting there. I mean, I get it you know, but you need to utilize it. In a perfect world, you want that pool running 24 hours a day, seven days a week. And if you tune it right, and especially with variable speed pumps, it can be cost effective. Well, it can. And especially with the Intella things, you can set it to run at a thousand RPMs for 10 hours and, and at 1500 for two hours and at 3000 for two hours and, and get what you need. So you can do that. And even doing that, it's a whole lot more cost effective than just running for six or eight hours at 3,500 RPM. For us, we moved all our run times up, especially now with the chemical shortage. Everything is bumped up. Out in summertime, we usually run pools as long as we can, but I have pools running 20 hours, 24 hours, 18 hours, like just because that's what we need to do. And you just got to do what you got to do. You know, and one of the strategies that that you guys, of course, know what I'm talking about when I say keep a proper level of chlorine in your pool. If you keep Uh, borate, which will save on chlorine because it prevents algae. But uh, even if you don't decide to use borate in your pool, if you use 5% or 7.5% of your cyanuric acid as the amount of free chlorine you need in the pool, the advantage of doing that is that you will get no chloramines, no combined chlorines. You won't need an algicide. You won't need a, a phosphate remover. You won't need an enzyme. You won't need a separate oxidizer. You won't need to, to do a weekly shock. You know, and all of those things are, they take chlorine and they take stuff to do. So believe it or not, keeping a little higher level of chlorine than you've been keeping is a lot more cost effective than doing it the other way. Right now, more than anything else, it's those run times. And, and again, they're stressed. They have all these things going on. And now they need to make sure that they have that water chemistry on point, right? To be able to kind of eliminate yeah, really. that, that chlorine consumption. And I see labels on chlorine that says, you know, add weekly during the summer at a shock. And I'm telling you, if you keep your chlorine level to where I told you to keep it, you don't need a weekly shock. So you won't need to be spending the money or trying to find the chlorine to add once a week to shock it. Definitely critical now. So, all right, guys. So let's jump on to some questions here, Bob. And I'm going to okay. start off. I had somebody sent me a message yesterday and here's what he said. Hey, man, water chemistry question for you. Just picked up a new account. Last pool guy royally screwed up the cams and apparently couldn't get it back. I've got an alkalinity of 750 parts per million and a pH of 6.9. Never seen alkalinity like that. Unfortunately, draining is not an option here. What is the best course of action? Acid to lower alkalinity and soda ash to raise pH? Let's answer that question first because then he's got another question. When the alkalinity is incredibly high and incredibly, I would say, anything over 160 or 180, and then just 
super incredibly high would be anything over 200 or 220, something like that. But if you really have an alkalinity of, of six or 700, you have to work on the alkalinity. But the key is that you, you don't want to get the pH below 5.5. You either need a pH meter or you need to add acid to the point where it, the pH only goes as low as your test kit goes. So for pH, you add, I don't know, try to lower alkalinity by 100 parts per million. And that's a calculation. You can calculate that without using anything. It's 2.56 fluid ounces of muriatic acid per 10,000 gallons per one part per million. That's the formula. You can figure out how many times 10,000 goes into your pool and get a number for that. You can see if you want to lower it by 100, you take 100 times 2.56, which would be 256 fluid ounces. And if you've got a 10,000-gallon pool, you're done. If you've got a 15,000-gallon pool, it's 1.5 times 250. And 256 is 2 gallons of chlorine, 128 in there. So you would add 2 gallons of chlorine, let it mix up, and then measure the pH. If the pH is really low, like 6.5 or something like that, then you don't touch the alkalinity right now. What you do is you aerate and get the pH back up to 7.5 or, or even a little higher and then take another 100 off of the alkalinity by adding another 2 gallons. So you just keep adding that 2-gallon slug and aerating to get the pH back up so you don't add enough acid that you get the pH down to 5.5 because if you do that, you have a super problem. <laughs> if you get, get the pH too low, you get a real problem. It can change things a lot and you really don't want to do it that way. It's almost like acid washing your pool if you get it down too far. So um, I would just lower it by 100 at a time and then aerate and then lower it 100 and aerate. And then that'll help you get back to where you're going to be. But you're going to have a super high TDS in that pool because the 670-something or whatever you said is all part of TDS. When you add the acid, you need to add 100 at a time, enough to do 100 at a time. And that's what I do. That's how I take care of it. The other thing is he mentioned, let's see, the homeowner said that the pool guy had just done an acid wash because of scale. The pool's only two months old, but apparently the builder did not do a proper startup on it. I'm guessing that instead of using soda ash, you must have used sodium bicarb to try to get that pH back up. Obviously, you kind of answered the question. He kind of went into, does the acid immediately lower the alkalinity? If I add soda ash right after, would that neutralize the acid from lowering the alkalinity? But understand that soda ash doesn't just raise pH. It raises alkalinity and it raises pH. So if you get your pH low and you add soda ash, it's going to raise your alkalinity back up even beyond where, where you were because soda ash contributes more alkalinity than bicarb does. So you can even actually go higher than where you started if you use soda ash. So that's not a good idea. If you can do it, you really need to use aeration and turbulence to raise the pH of the pool. 
And you can do that in a number of ways. But the, the most effective way that I have found is to take a separate pump or your submersible pump that you use for draining and set it on the top step of the pool and then put in a, a 90 and reduce the, the inch and a half or two inch down to either three quarters or one inch. And that way you'll get a lot of pressure out of there. It will shoot very far. And the idea is to shoot the discharge up into the air so it goes about 10 feet in the air and then lands in the pool. And when you do it that way, it will raise the pH incredibly fast. We took a 15,000-gallon pool and raised the pH from 7 to 7.5 in 30 minutes by doing that. It's true, though. It works. So it's possible. It works great. You can also take a compressor if you have one or an old air blower, and you can put, uh, you can use some flexible and make a, uh, a rectangular manifold with some weights on it that you can put in the bottom of the pool, drill some holes in it, and pump some air into it, and just make the water boil in the middle of the pool. That'll raise the pH very quickly also. I've also even taken like a Karcher jet spray, you know, a power sprayer, and just shot it in the pool, and that raises the pH like crazy. So the number of things you can do to raise the pH of the pool, and all of those are quick ways. Yeah, we like to put the return straight to spa so it starts the jets and the jets start kicking in and um, spills over, and that helps. I mean, it, it really does work, and it's a, it, it's if you utilize it correctly and you do it right, it makes life a lot easier, so you're not playing that, that game. But, you know, a lot of guys have a, a submersible. You know, they use it to drain spas and drain pools and stuff anyway. Just set the, the submersible on the top step and shoot it up into the air while you're, while you're vacuuming or whatever else you're doing in the pool and, and let it raise the pH while you're doing the rest of the stuff. So I did get an update from him this morning, and it said, did a 60% drain. Fortunately, my fill hose water is around 8-ish. That will help. May need to do one more drain and fill. Soda ash made it really cloudy because the alkalinity I don't think is dissolving. I'm wondering if it's still raising the pH if it's not fully dissolving. What he thinks is not dissolving is probably a precipitate. (laughs) When you put a lot of soda ash in and you have high alkalinity, you precipitate calcium carbonate. And so what he thinks is it not dissolving is actually a precipitate of calcium carbonate. And it will take a while for that to re-dissolve once that high pH sphere that's in the pool mixes with the rest of the body of the pool and it can re-dissolve. Yeah, it's kind of like when you add a bunch of calhypo, right? When you're adding calhypo into a pool. Exact same thing. Yeah. Yeah. When Sometimes if you throw calhypo in one spot, you cloud the pool. But if you come back in two hours, it's clear. He said, when I pour acid in it, it clears up where I pour the acid, maybe because the alkalinity right there falls out as the soda ash dissolves. No, he's just, he's re-dissolving some of the calcium carbonate, the precipitate. He's just hastening the, the dissolving or, or reabsorption of the calcium carbonate into the water. Here is another message that we got from one of our followers, and I'm going to read it because it leads off into kind of what we wanted to talk about today. And it says, hey there, first of all, I'd like to say that I'm straight up obsessed with your podcast. I've been in the pool service industry 
for about two years. That entire time, I've listened to literally thousands of podcast episodes. I've learned so much knowledge just by being the podcast nerd that I've become. The question that I have is, with the huge chlorine shortage happening across the nation, what will the more established service companies that have been through the rougher days be doing as chlorine gets worse and worse in a very quick time? My business is the eastern side of Houston in the Baytown area. There's just got to be a treatment or a process that I could affordably use for my weekly customers. I currently have around 98 steady customers that are getting the pool maintained weekly by us. My question, what would be something that I could start doing in order to not having big majority of our chlorine pools go from clear to green? What he's asking is kind of what are the alternatives or what other things can he do to reduce the demand of chlorine? We've talked about some things and Bob, we're going to ask you on certain things like oxidizers and phosphate removers and uh, enzymes and borates. But what would you recommend to him knowing that the chlorine shortage is here? What other things can they do to reduce chlorine demand? If it were me, I think I would invest in some borate and specifically boric acid because it's easier to use than the other types of borate product. And if you add 50 parts per million of borate to each of your pools, it prevents algae. And his comment was to prevent a green pool. And green signifies algae. And so um, the point being that if you put borate in your pools and they are algae-free, when you put the borate in there, Unless you have a really extreme situation, you're not going to have algae growing because the borate prevents it. And by preventing it, it means that your chlorine doesn't have to do it. And because your chlorine doesn't have to do it, your consumption of chlorine will be less. So understand that I'm not saying to keep less of a residual. I'm saying that to keep that residual, you will need less chlorine. And the amount of chlorine less that you will need, depending on conditions in your pool, can be between 30 and 50% saving. And this is a huge number from adding a chemical that you only have to add one time. You add it once and you don't need it again until you've had a significant amount of water loss. And I don't mean by evaporation. I mean by splash out, drag out, leaks, whatever, you know, backwashing. But unless you've lost a lot of water, the borate stays there. From an economic standpoint, it's probably the best thing you can do to, to save chlorine and save money is to put borate in your pool. I think John would back me up. Oh, you know, this isn't just, and, and believe me, guys, I've been a long time in this industry, and I've even been a pool guy. So I know what you guys do out there. I'm not some chemist in a lab telling you how things ought to be. This isn't theory. This is reality. I agree 100%. We've been using it now going on almost five years, and we preach it, and we say it, and we say it, and we say it. And I know we sound like a broken record, but I, I'm going to continue to say it. Look, Bob is 1 million percent right when it comes down to your pools and the most effective way, hands down, no questions whatsoever, is adding borates to your pool. It is an absolute game changer. And if you're looking for something that will help you through this time, especially the issues we're having now, 
having a pool that has borates in it, especially around like that 50 parts per million level. For about two weeks, we had like a real bad shortage here. There was times when we didn't have any liquid or anything we could add into our pools. I knew that when I walked into that backyard, even though it was zero, that my pool was still clear and I had that backup, right? Or I had that, I knew I had my borates in the pool, which would help me. But please remember, everybody, it's not a magic pill or a catch-all be-all. You still need to maintain you know, proper chemistry throughout your pool. It just helps you through those tough parts, and it helps you maintain less chemicals in your pool. What I want to do is I want to talk a little bit about something else, too, because unfortunately, even though we talk about borates all the time, Bob, and you know this, it's still not available everywhere. And we've been making a huge push talking about it and trying to get people to jump in and get boric acid, especially boric acid. But if you can't get boric acid and um, borax or anything else, I've talked about it before. When I first started, I was at Walmart, Lowe's, Home Depot, and I looked, everybody thought and looked at me like I was insane because I had a shopping cart full of 20 mule borax, right? And these guys are going like, what's this guy doing, right? What's he doing? Why is he buying all this crap, right? But you got to do what you got to do, right? At the time. But unfortunately, still in some areas, it's really hard to acquire this stuff. So, Well, I do have a couple of things that that I've been telling people lately. And one is there's a company called Rose Mill. Rose Mill, and you can just Google Rose Mill. They are the largest supplier of boric acid in the United States. And I say supplier because they don't dig it out of the ground. They're the company that grinds it up and makes it into boric acid. And they're called Rose Mill, and they've got two places. But they are huge because boric acid is used for making auto glass. And I mean, just it's used in construction and it's used in, you'd be surprised how many millions of tons of boric acid they use in agriculture because it it prevents bugs on plants and especially things that we eat, you know, that we buy at the grocery store. So it's available and it's around. It's just not around in the pool industry. Another thing is there's a place called Brentag. And they are a a nationwide uh, distributor. And you can call Brentag and see if they have a facility near you. And there is one that I mentioned in my book that's called Duda, D-U-D-A, Diesel. And they're in Alabama, and they ship all over the country. And they have two or three grades of boric acid. And they'll ship you anything from a one-pound bag to a pallet. So um, you may want to try, you know, you guys are in Texas. Alabama's not that far. If you need a pallet, you know, if you're going to start putting anywhere from 25 to 30 pounds or more in each pool, you know, you're going to need a pallet anyway. Uh, call Duda or call Rosemill and get and order a pallet. I was going to say, too, to go a little further into that question that they had you know, if it's still not available and you can't get it and you need something, you know, now's not the time. Guys, especially when we're going through this. I don't know out in Texas, right? Before, they're a big cow hypo market, right? And right now, there's no cow hypo. We got no liquid. There's no dry. There's no nothing. I've talked to like four or five different people out in Texas and they're panicking. And if they don't have that and they don't have a way to source boric acid or to be able to put borates in the pool, there are other tools out there that you have to look at, and we just can't throw our hands up and say, okay, look, you know, there's nothing I can do aside from draining the pool. 
Bob touched on it earlier, and the first thing you should be doing is get that runtime going. You want to increase that runtime because having that pool run longer is going to slow down that process. Natural state of water is like a pond. You leave a big puddle, you're going to get a pond, and you're going to get a bunch of algae. But you look at a river, even though there's some algae and stuff, but it's constantly running, right? You got things happening. It doesn't necessarily, it won't turn quite as quickly. And then, you know, lean on other things. And we always like to preach proper chemistry and to be careful of what we add into our pools because if you overuse something or you depend on something and you don't use it in conjunction with proper chemistry, then it can create big headaches down the road. So, for instance, I have some some buddies of mine right now that just absolutely have zero chlorine. And we talked about, hey, what's the number one thing you can add into a pool that'll help destroy algae or keep algae from going in there is copper. And we like to shy away and say, hey, look, you know, you had too much copper in your water. This is what can happen, right? Especially when you have high levels of CYA in the pool. But go into your, this is the time to go into your tool bag and start looking at different things you can use. Like for instance, and I've had a couple pools even that we use, and I put them in probably about 40 pools right now already, is like a Blu-ray, a product like Blu-ray. If you use them carefully and properly, then you can use them to your advantage, especially right now when you're in a position, if you have nothing you can put into a pool in one week, forget that, in four days, that pool is turning into a swamp, especially out here in the valley. It really is. Our average water temp right now is 96 degrees. 96 degrees right now, all our pools, and people are swimming in them. So imagine, it's like a big hot tub. You have a hot tub, it's hot water chemistry, and our pools get up to 99 degrees during the summer. And if you don't have a game plan and you have zero chlorine, there is no hope. If you can reach into that tool bag and start using products and know what you're doing when you're using them and not just use them as a Band-Aid, because I'll tell you this, you throw a Blu-ray into a pool or a product, a mineral sanitizer like that, it works. It absolutely does work. But... When you add that stuff, there are side effects if you continue to use it and you don't maintain your water chemistry. The last thing we want people to do is say, hey, look, here you go. Here's a Blu-ray. Throw it into your pool and use it every six months. And then they start doing it and they start adding three or four into a pool and they think everything's great. Next year, that time when they add a Blu-ray or they even add any copper algicides or anything in there and they haven't drained their water and maintained the levels, they're going to be in quite the surprise. Well, you can use a mineral purifier, which can be either silver or copper and silver or just copper. So you can use one of those to your advantage. But do understand there's a total job that needs to be done. And the job is disinfection and oxidation. And believe it or not, of your chlorine, only about 15% of the chlorine you put in the pool is used for killing algae and bacteria. The rest of it is used for oxidation. If you only put in copper to kill bacteria and algae, you still need an oxidizer. So you're going to either need a non-chlorine shock or you're going to need ozone. Uh, One or the other because you have to get rid of the stuff that gets in the pool. Things like suntan lotion, sunblock, perspiration, sweat, urine, you know, all that stuff gets in the pool. And there are some things that you can do. You can try copper. You can also, one of the biggest things they found in England was, and then they, it became a law in, in England, was to rinse off before you get in the pool. 
If you can get the homeowners to just rinse off, not take a shower with soap and water, but just to rinse off before they get in the pool, you will save about 60% of your chlorine bill by doing that because your body has on it about 100 million bacteria and you've got sweat and sunblock and everything on your body. You rinse off for 10 seconds under the water. All of that stuff goes down the drain instead of in the pool. So now you don't need more chlorine in the pool to take care of that. If you want to get your homeowner to get involved and help you, see, the biggest thing you can do is just put a hose by where the where they get into the pool and have them rinse off with the hose before they get in. That'll save you big amounts of chlorine. That's huge right there. Something it that is. we don't talk it, about. It is for sure, right? And we have a lot of Airbnbs in the same thing too. It's like, Bob, from your lips to every homeowner's mind, you know, <laughs> it, it's like, oh my God, it's the truth. And yeah. it's those little things that you can do in that. And again, it all comes down to knowledge, guys. And it's just like, don't throw your hands up right now. There's ways we can combat this. And there's way- and then what's great, all these little things that we're doing right now just makes us a little bit better and more knowledgeable so that when this all passes, then you just become more aware of it and you start to realize how much more of a lean machine you can be and how much more chlorine you can save per, per, per week, how many chemicals and stuff like that. And I think, too, that it may be time. I know that, that pool guys want to be independent and left alone and just let me in your backyard and I'll do your pool and be gone. And, you know, I don't want to have any conversations with you. Just leave me alone. Um, it might be time to... Try to get the homeowner involved a little bit and have a 10-minute conversation with them and knock on the door and say, listen, have you got a minute? I'd really like to talk to you about your pool because we got shortages. I'm doing what I can to do to get chlorine and stuff. I'm trying to keep costs down and you can help. And here's the things you can do. We can buy a copper ionizer, which you'll have to pay for, but I'll install And then if you can get people to rinse off before they get in, it's going to save both of us. Because if I can't find chlorine, you know, there's no point in bringing a bunch of your bacteria and stuff into the pool if I can't get rid of it. Rinse it off before you get in there and just have a conversation with them. And maybe, you know, you can kind of partner with your customers instead of being, you know, adversaries or customers and suppliers. Johnny comes back to the conversation of the podcast we had, what, two, three days, two, two or three episodes ago with with the communication and how important this time you have to have that communication. I go into the backyard when I talk to a customer, I go, look, and people say, oh, can you tell me what your how much it's going to charge to quote my pool or to clean my pool or service our pool? And I go, well, I I can't. I need to go there and talk to you. Oh, you can go in my backyard. And I go, no, we need to set up an appointment where I can actually sit and talk to you because it's a lot more than just the pool. I need to know you. I need to understand you. I need to know if we're a good fit. I need to know what your expectations are so we have a conversation. Part of it's like, hey, this is our pool. I'm only here one day out of the week. The other six days, you just just can't put your hands up and say it's not your responsibility anymore. It's still your backyard. This is, we're in this together. And this is how we work together to make sure that you get whatever expectations you have, that we can meet those expectations and you have the best experience possible. Because if you don't do these things, it ends up costing you in the long run. Bob, you brought up a great point. And I think this is these are the little things that we're going to that we're forced to learn and do right now that before it was so simple for some pool guys and gals out there. It was just like eh, a little automatic here. The struggle wasn't as tough as it is now. So it was a lot easier to maintain the pool. 
But now when it's tough, you have to dig down deep and you really have to learn the nuts and bolts of it. And this knowledge and all this information that you're learning right now is just, and if you survive this, is going to just make you into that much of a better business because these things don't go away and they don't change. There's no reason why if, if you can maintain a lower chlorine residual in the pool and still keep a pool crystal clear, why can't you do that in the off season or when things are back to normal? There's no need to have 15 parts per million into a pool every single week. When you go there, you don't need to bomb a pool every time you're there. If you can get away with a little bit less, go for it. Going on to our next question, and I think it fits perfect, is about enzymes, Bob, and oxidation and the suntan lotion and stuff like that. How, how does enzymes work in a pool, and why should somebody add them if they add them? An enzyme is a catalyst, and a catalyst is a chemical or, or even a mechanical thing that enters into a chemical reaction but does it without actually becoming part of the reaction. So it speeds it up or heats it up or does something, but it doesn't enter into the chemical reaction. And enzymes make the digestion of oils and and hydrocarbon-based things in the water makes it go faster. If you put oil in water, eventually it will decompose. But if you put oil in water and put enzymes in, it'll decompose a thousand times faster. So enzymes have a place, and there is some evidence that enzymes can do more than just break down oil and hydrocarbon-based product, but some companies have tried to say that they actually can, can kill bacteria and, and things like that, and I just, the kind of bacteria that they can kill are probably not present in a pool. Anyway, but they claim there is, but then that makes an enzyme into something that kills something, and then it becomes a pesticide, and then EPA gets involved and so on. So enzymes are basically good for getting rid of, if you have pools that get a, like the ring around the tub, they get oil and they get stuff on the tile all the time, and you're continually having to wipe stuff off the tile. Well, my answer would be two things for that. First of all, you need to check the hydraulics in your pool because even though you have circulation, John, the water needs to be going around the pool. And we had a couple of pools where a guy called me and the return lines are at one end of the pool. And all it was doing was blowing water to the other end of the pool. And the skimmer was picking up zero because the water wasn't going around. So in your pools, you need to aim the, the return lines so that the water starts to circulate around the pool so that, that things that are on the surface of the water get near where the skimmer is and get dragged into the skimmer so that it cleans the surface of the pool. That's the purpose of the skimmer. If the water's not going around on the surface, then it's not doing right. And you can prove that. Take a few ping pong balls with you and throw them in the pool. See where they go. If they don't end up in the skimmer, you're not doing it right. And that's the way to figure out if it works. Even if they don't end up in the skimmer, you need to make sure that they made their way all the way around the pool. And that's the way you find out. Do that. That's what you need to be doing, is making sure that you've got that circulation. And then you can use enzymes to help if you've got soap and oil and and stuff that's on the surface of the pool that's making its way to the to the tile and causing a greasy oily thing on the side of the of the pool 
then enzymes will help you get rid of that. A little bit of that is normal and natural. But again, if people are going to rinse off before they get in, you probably won't need an enzyme because they're rinsing off the oil and the sunblock and all the stuff that ends up on the tile. They're going to rinse it off before they get in. Guys, believe it or not, we've been talking for over an hour already. Let me take a quick word from our sponsors. And when we come back, Bob, we have a couple more questions and uh, we'll take it from there. The SPPA is dedicated to the niche general liability insurance needs of pool and spa professionals. As industry leaders, we'll fight for you, protect you, and be there for you. We provide extraordinary service before and after the membership and insurance is in effect. Insured members of the program get the best customer support and have peace of mind that their alliance is their voice and always fighting for their program and insurance needs. We proudly insure thousands of pool and spa professionals across the United States. With over 30 years encompassing the pool and spa industry, we know the needs of pool and spa professionals. Through the SPPA program, there are three tailored and customized general liability insurance options to pick from. For more information on our programs and insurance options, visit our site at www.thesppa.com. The sound of you continually pitching pool care poles into the trash. The sound of you using an Ultimate Pool Tools carbon fiber pool care pole for years to come. Go to ultimatepooltools.com or Instagram at ultimatepooltools. Now available, Pool Invoice. Pool Invoice is a pool billing software created specifically for the pool service and repair industry. It's developed for our industry and only our industry. Pool Invoice is built with reoccurring billing in mind. You can print, email, text invoices, or even send via WhatsApp. You can add reoccurring or yearly charges, accept credits, and set up auto pay. You can even see when customers have seen the invoice. It even has a customer portal where they can log in and see print and pay invoices it has all your customers information on one page so you don't need to search through hundreds of invoices looking for the one you need just go to the customer profile and it's all at your fingertips created specifically for the pool industry pool invoice now available at poolinvoice.com welcome back everybody we're talking to bob we're talking to john we're talking water chemistry guys in the time that I, we were in this quick break, I got an email from my home association that the pool is closed for the next 24 hours because of an accident. So <laughs> we're sitting here talking water chemistry. Now closed. A, a fecal accident? <laughs> a, a fecal accident, yes. <laughs> so I'm like, perfect timing. Uh, I might ask Bob a question or two live here and kind of make sure I send him back to the homeowners association. <laughs> Well, believe it or not, the answer to that is whether or not it is a formed stool or diarrhea. And and that is important to know that. The owner of the child <laughs> that did that or the adult that did it will know if it's diarrhea or not. So once you find that out, actually, you only need to increase the chlorine level by about, uh, I don't know, two to four parts per million if it is a form stool and just remove the stool and close the pool for about four hours. And if it is diarrhea, you need to run the chlorine level up to 20 parts per million 
and close the pool till the next day. Fun times. John, I'm going to have you come over and then we'll go over there and we'll interview them. Be like, you know, the, the pool police. And I was like, can you please kind of verify the uh, sample of. <laughs> well, no, you know, just say, listen, it, it's a health thing. We need to know. Did you have, was there diarrhea in the pool or was there a, just a stool? Big difference. Bob, let me ask you the next question and kind of talking about alternatives and all the different things that the guys can try to use during these difficult, difficult times is. Should they be using water clarifiers regularly now to help? And then how did water clarifiers work? Well, there's two kinds of water clarifiers. One has been used for about a thousand years, and it's called aluminum sulfate, or by the common term called alum. And uh, it works by, when you put it in water, it actually makes a gel of aluminum, aluminum hydroxide gel. And which is we in water, we call that a flock. And the flock actually settles like a blanket through the water and pulls things down to the bottom with it. And you end up with a pile of stuff on the bottom of the pool. And it's kind of, um, if it were in air, it would look like feathers, but it's underwater. So it kind of looks like, you know, maybe feathers underwater, but at least a kind of a fragile thing underwater. And you need to vacuum that. You can vacuum it to your filter, but it will jam up your filter pretty quick. So most people uh, vacuum to waste. But you need to vacuum it very slowly because if you push the vacuum very hard, you resuspend all of those particles and then the vacuum doesn't reach them. The other kind of a clarifier is called an organic polymer clarifier. And there's a number of different products on the market, but believe it or not, in 1973, I brought the first polymer water clarifier to the pool industry, and it was at that time called Crystal Clear, and eventually it became called Super Blue CC, and uh, I invented that. <laughs> you put it in water, and it is a polymer, which is a, a polymer is a, a long chain of repeating monomers, and along the chain, there are little positive appendages, positively charged appendages, because most of the dirt and suspended particles in water are negatively charged. When we take a polymer and put it in water, it kind of uncoils and then exposes these uh, appendages with positive charges. And the negative dirt is attracted to the positive charge, and then it recoils. So it makes a bigger bundle out of all these little particles. And then the, they stop in the filter because now they're big enough to be filtered. And we proved this in the beginning by just looking at a pool at night by the light. And you can see the stuff floating in front of the light. And when you use a polymer, you can use it today. And when you look at it tomorrow night by the light, there's nothing in front of the light. There's no particles, or at least there's a lot less of them. So it removes the particles that your filter is missing. And so that is an important thing. And perhaps if you're going to run your filter or your pump on a very slow speed, it may be important to once in a while use a clarifier and get the water looking just a little bit sharper and better. Because the stuff in the filter then doesn't have to be reacted with other chemicals. So the stuff in the filter is already in the filter, so it's gone. 
Um, so it's a better way to do it. But as far as on a regular basis, I think if you need a clarifier on a regular basis, then you've either got the wrong filter or you're not circulating your water long enough. You know, your filter is not doing the job and it's either because it's not on long enough or it's not doing a good enough job. And if it's not doing a good enough job for you, because this is a subjective thing, you look at it and say, my water's dull. There's no test to prove that it's dull or not. You just don't like the way it looks. So uh, if it's not good enough for you, then you need to look at a different kind of a filter. Either change the media in the filter that you have. If you've got a sand filter, maybe go to an activated carbon filter. I mean, an activated uh, uh, glass filter. Use glass. You can also, uh, if you've got a, uh, a sand filter, once in a while I've heard people use a little bit of DE and put it on top of the sand. That's not something I do recommend very much, but uh, that will tighten the filter up a little bit. You can use zeolite in your filter, and there are some replacements for even diatomaceous earth filters. But if your sand filter is not doing a good enough job, maybe you should go to a cartridge filter. Sand filters, by and large, will filter particles that are about 25 to 30 microns and larger. A cartridge filter will filter about 10 microns and larger. And a DE filter will filter down theoretically to about one micron, but it really is about three microns in, in the beginning anyway. As it gets dirty, it actually will filter down to one micron. And some of those other zeolites and glass beads, for instance, will take a, a sand filter down to five or 10 microns instead of 30. So you can actually change the media in the sand filter and get a lot of better filtration. But uh, I think if you're having filled cloudy water problems, uh, you need to take a look at your water chemistry. Maybe you're not putting enough chlorine in there and your water is clouding for that reason. Um, and maybe if it's just missing particles, you need to change the media or change the filter. Bob, I think we got one more time for one more question. Can you talk about phosphates and how they affect chlorine? Phosphates don't directly have a chlorine demand. The purpose of using phosphates is to remove the primary source of food for algae. And the primary source of, of nutrition for algae is phosphate and probably secondarily sulfate. And then there's other things too, but also algae are carbon-based organisms. They're plants and they are carbon-based and therefore they need carbon and they need sunlight and they need both of those things to carry on photosynthesis. And so they use carbon that's in the water and we've got carbon in a lot of things that's already in the water. So it's not just carbon dioxide, we've got carbonic acid, we've got carbonates in the water, we've got bicarbonate in the water. So we've got alkalinity in the water, and that's carbon. And we've got dissolved carbon dioxide in the water, and that's carbon. So there's plenty of carbon in the water for them to use, but that's not nutrition, that's for photosynthesis. So nutrition is phosphate, and if you get a high phosphate level, then... There's lots and lots of food for them to eat. And if there's less phosphate, 
There's nothing for them to eat, or at least little, so it, it retards their growth. It doesn't kill it. It doesn't stop algae from growing. It just stops them from eating. But they do reproduce by cell division. So if they starve, then, you know, you've essentially killed it. But you've killed it only because you've starved it. I think if you're using borate in the pool, you're not going to have algae anyway. But uh, as algae are introduced, the borate kills it. And if you're not, if you're keeping a chlorine level that's high enough, you don't have algae growing either. So it's only when your chlorine level drops that you have a potential to have algae. And then if the algae gets started, if you've got a lot of phosphates, now you can have an algae bloom. Frankly, I think if you're using borate in your pool and keeping the proper level of chlorine in your pool, you'll never need phosphate removers. You might if the phosphate level gets up to, I don't know, 2,000, 2,500 parts per million somewhere around there, but it's not as low as the manufacturers would have you believe that it's 200 or 500 parts per million. You need to lower it. It's not that. It might be that if you're not keeping the right chlorine level. To me, which would you rather add, phosphate removers all the time or just add some borate to your pool? Guys, let's take a quick word from our sponsors, Bob, John, when we come back, uh, I want to get John's final thoughts. The HyperPole from Ultimate Pool Tools is a pool care pole designed by pool professionals for pool professionals, featuring precision-crafted carbon fiber and stainless steel construction. Go to ultimatepooltools.com or Instagram at ultimatepooltools. Pool pros have specific needs when it comes to general liability insurance. The SPPA program has you covered. With three tailored and customizable general liability options, SPPA makes it easy for pool pros to feel secure. Find out more and get covered at the SPPA.com. Now available, Pool Invoice. Pool Invoice is a pool billing software created specifically for the pool service and repair industry. It's developed for our industry and only our industry. Pool Invoice is built with reoccurring billing in mind. You can print, email, text invoices, or even send via WhatsApp. You can add reoccurring or yearly charges, accept credits, and set up auto pay. You can even see when customers have seen the invoice. It even has a customer portal where they can log in and see print and pay invoices it has all your customers information on one page so you don't need to search through hundreds of invoices looking for the one you need just go to the customer profile and it's all at your fingertips created specifically for the pool industry pool invoice now available at poolinvoice.com welcome back everybody we're talking to bob lowry we're talking to john Zach is on vacation. He will be back next week. John, we will have to get even for all the pictures and all the rubbing in that he's been doing. So I'm just kind of putting it here on audio so everybody knows that it's coming and he knows that it's coming if he's listening to this podcast. Zach, you, you got one coming your way, buddy. John, let me get your final thoughts. Crazy times we're going through right now. You know, you talk about something, you talk about something, it's coming, it's coming, it's coming, it's coming, it's coming. You can see a train coming from like, you know, five miles away, but and it doesn't look very intimidating or it's not very, you're not really worried because you kind of think it's kind of off or it's not really affecting you. But when that train is coming at you at like at a hundred miles an hour and it's right there in your face, it's scary as hell. Right. And I think that's where we're at right now. It, everything has just hit us 
really hard. And it's please, I guess I'm just going to plead out to everybody and say, please heed the warnings that we've been talking about. And we're saying now the things you're hearing from Bob, things you're hearing from Jared, from your distributors, the writings on the wall. And we talked about this survival of the fittest. This is evolution at its best right now. And, you know, the businesses and the people that buckle down and figure out ways to make it happen through these hard times are the ones that are going to succeed and are going to be better for it down the road. The ones that just throw your hands up and say, hey, look, I I have no options. I have no chlorine. What can I do? This is what's going to happen or whatever. Those are the ones that are going to pay the price. And even though we're, I think, right in the middle of it, I don't even think we're close to even the beginning of the end. It's not too late to make changes and to do things and, you know, to channel that fire, that fire that got you to start this business and to be a pool guy or pool girl out there, because it takes a different breed of people to do this type of work. It's not easy work. And um, that same hunger you got to have, you, it's, it's, you got to have that survival instinct. So, you know, us as a company, what are we doing? Well, as far as our pools, whatever it takes, we got an arsenal and you got to think of all these little things we talk about and all the products and, and everything that's out there. And you have to figure it and use it as a tool in your tool bag. And you might not need that tool every single week or every year or every month, but you got to keep these things in your arsenal. And sometimes it's okay to pull it out and use it. And so for us, uh, chlorine is liquid gold. We, that's what we talk about. All the guys on the phone are liquid gold, liquid gold. Where's it at? Texting people, go here, go there. And there's times where we don't have anything. So to be proactive, you know, we talked a little bit about earlier is like, you know, in our pools, we have borates in every one of our pools. Hands down, there is no question that is it happens. We have it. Are we using phosphate removers? Are we using enzymes? Absolutely. When we're there, we'll give, we always give a squirt. It's part of our service. Are we now utilizing products like copper where we have like Blu-rays? Absolutely. I am, you know, summertime right now, I'm, I'm trying to set up, I'm trying to keep myself from falling into this trap of being a, a service company that can't deliver what we promise to our clients. So I'm adding that into pools so that I have backup or I have some support to get us through these trying times because what Bob was talking about earlier, and it just makes sense, is like, look, you go to a pool that is turning on you, it has a bunch of green. It's going to take a lot more chlorine to get that pool to where it needs. You're going to waste a lot more chlorine than you need to on that pool. Now other, other pools are going to suffer. So and there's it's no just, chlorine around. It, right? There's not, I mean, what are you going to yeah. do? I mean, it, it's so it's like you got to get ahead of it and you got to do what you need to do. Get those borates in the pool. Now's the time. Get it. Get on the phone. Find it. Throw it in your pools. If you cannot get it, get something else. Get it in there. If you're Because if you think you're kind of okay or I got, you know, I was talking to a guy on the phone and he's like, oh, him and Han he hasn't been able to have fine chlorine. And he found somebody that had carboys, 15 gallon carboys. And he was uh, going back and forth saying, mm, well, it's only, it's $4 a gallon if I buy it in 15 gallons instead of if I buy it for three. I go, dude, what are you, him and He's, I'm going to drive over here and see if they have it. I go, dude, are you crazy? Are you not thinking right now? You have an opportunity to get it and you're him and Han about 50 cents or a dollar. Do not be penny, what to do not be penny wise and dollar foolish. Get that now, right? It, the sense of urgency, get it. it. This is it. Time is crazy. So, I mean, again, and I don't want to sound like a broken record, and here we are doing what we're doing, but we're going to say it again because we care about you guys. And the only reason why we're doing this stuff is because we care about this industry because we're a part of it. And I think if we build up together and, and we make it through this, we're going to be that much stronger. 
And me being a part of it is going to allow my company, my family, and what we do to be able to continue to thrive in it. And the last thing I want to see is this industry suffer. So these things that we're telling you, please listen. Do what you need to do. Stop Stop worrying about the things you can't control and start figuring out the things that you can control and the things you can do because there's a way. Reach out to us if you have any questions or if you need any help or if you have any more things that will help get you through this, uh, the, these trying times that we're going through because if there is a will, there is definitely a way. And we've been there and the only way we're going to do this is if we get through it together. So thank you, Bob, again. I always love our podcast because it's just great. And, I, and I, how do you like this format, by the way? Because... I do. I like this format better than better than just talking to a microphone. <laughs> well, yeah. Sure, because it's, it's like we're having a conversation in a room, right? We can see our body language and we can talk and go back and forth. So it's so much better. Thank you so much for doing it. I appreciate it. You're welcome. Bob can watch our, our heads when we're bopping yes. Yeah. And when we and we have this. Uh, I have like to start getting some. Yeah, have to, boom. I have to start making some bobbleheads out of you guys. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um, you know, pool guys have to start using some, maybe some other resources, and you know, some of the things that you can do as a pool guy or gal is to go out there and, if you can't find chlorine at your regular distributors and stuff, think about this. Almost every grocery store in the country sells bleach. You can buy bleach at the grocery or at the Walmart or at the, the Lowe's or whatever. They sell bleach. And bleach, as long as it doesn't have any additives in it, is the exact same thing as liquid chlorine, except it's about half as strong. So you're going to need twice as much. But you can go to the grocery store and buy chlorine. Same thing with, with borate. They sell 20 mule team borax at the grocery store and at Walmart and everywhere else. So you can buy it. It's not the cheapest and it's not necessarily the best thing to use in all, you know, under all circumstances, but it's available and it's been available for a long time. Grocery stores and and places like that aren't usually where you buy your stuff, but you know, in strange times it takes uh, takes different things to figure out how to get the job done. If you need chlorine and Walmart's the only place that's got it, or the Publix or whatever grocery stores in your area, you know, Kroger's or whatever they are, go there and get it. Do what you can. Try to use some of these supplements and alternatives and things that can help you. Again, I highly recommend you put some borate in your pools. And I don't make a penny if you don't put any borate in your pools. As a chemist, I'm just telling you, it's a great chemical. It should be probably in every pool, but it is a great chemical. It's not a big deal to use it. You figure out how much to put in there once, and you're done. You don't have to check it again for, what, I don't know how often you check your pools, John, but what do you check them, three months, six months, to see if the borate's still in there once a year? I don't know. You know, it's not, not very often, so it's not something that you have to put in and check every week and see if you can get some of your homeowners to to rinse off before they get in. That's going to cut down on on the chlorine level. So between adding borate and getting your customers to rinse off before they get in, you know, you may save 60 or 70% of the chlorine you're using now, and that might be enough. Anyway, um, and again, as, as both of you guys have said, get used to what's happening right now because this is the new normal. And if you can't figure out how to survive and stay going, by what you're doing right now, you're not going to be any better six months from now. 
So figure out how to do it and and get the help that you need. We're here to help you guys. We try to help as much as we can, and uh, we want you to do well. Here's the other thing, guys. You take a look at everything that we're going with, and we're kind of going through these crazy times, but... These times are going to make a lot of those pool guys out there really kind of go back and really get educated on the water chemistry side. Because like you were saying earlier, on a normal basis, you can kind of deal with the pool, but now you're dealing with the shortage and you're dealing with all those issues now more than ever, now more than ever. And I know it's crazy because guys are stressed out. It's at an emotional level. They're running around working all these extra hours and all that kind of stuff. But the problem is you still need to get educated from the water chemistry standpoint because you could really be shooting yourself in the foot. You got somebody that's new into the industry that's having all these struggles and that isn't spending time kind of going and doing some research and really kind of getting the water chemistry down and trying to figure out whether the pool issues is because of runtime or because of conditioner or because of this or because of that. And then they're going to be even more frustrated and more angry. But I think what's going to happen is when we come out on the other side of this, I think what like what you were saying, John, is a lot of the guys that survive are going to be a lot more professional and a lot more educated on the water chemistry side. And you're going to end up with a better product on that side because it's one of the side effects of what we're going through. Yeah. You, and you're going to be more prepared. Look, it's funny when you say that. All I can think in my head is we have a saying when you go to a pool and everybody goes, oh, it's green. What do I do? What do I do? When in doubt, pour it out. And that's what we say with chlorine. When in doubt, pour it out, right? Just set it on fire and then you'll fix it. But you can't do that. And I think that's the mentality that a lot of these pool guys do have or a majority, not a majority, but a good amount where they just figured, hey, you just add chlorine, 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 tab, 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 chlorine, 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 everything's good. But now when that's not the case, you have to really fine tune your business. And well, you also understand it, that the homeowner has entrusted you with being in charge of their pool. And you are the professional. And don't let the customer tell you how you're going to run your pool because that's the biggest mistake you can make. And that is when a customer says, Oh, we can't drain the pool. Or I can run it for two hours. You know, yeah. And, or we can only run the pump for two hours a day. Listen, if it's a money issue and he can't afford to run the pump two hours a day, he shouldn't be your client either. You know, (laughs) if he can't afford that, you're in trouble. Uh, So I'm telling you that, that when a customer starts demanding or telling you what you ought to be doing to the pool, something's wrong there. You know, you when you take your car to the mechanic and he tells you what's wrong with it, you don't argue with him. And that's the point. You know, you don't say, well, I think you're wrong. I'm only going to use 12 pounds of air in my tires. That ain't the way it works. You know, the mechanic says, hey, you need 30 pounds of air PSI in your tires. You better put it there. You don't say, well, I don't think I want to do that. And that just isn't. And the same thing with changing the oil, you know, or anything. If the guy says, you know, you need 98 octane in your tank and you put 90 in and your engine fails, what do you think? You're in charge of the pool and you shouldn't let the homeowner demand what should be done in the pool. You may have a local ordinance or something that prevents you from draining because of drought conditions or something. But aside from that, Unless there's an ordinance, if you need to drain the pool because CYA is too high or whatever, you should drain it and not have the customer saying, I don't want to drain it. You know, that's not his decision. 
and especially this times, right? Where you, you know, you, you know, dealing with these issues, it's like, you're going to have to have those conversations and drain it. You know, say, listen, it's, if we leave this water in your pool, I'm going to have to use more chlorine and I can't buy it. You know, even if I raise your price, I can't find it. So we're going to have to drain the pool and put some fresh water in it. Guys, before we go, I want to give a quick shout out here to Janie. She's on the Facebook messaging system. And guys, we're still kind of trying to figure out this format today as we had Bob and we had John. We've kind of been able to figure out a little bit more of the messaging system. So I kind of figured that part out. So big shout out to everybody that was online and Janie was on there. Maria was on there. Jason was on there. Um, a lot of the guys on there. So Jay was on there. Shout out to all you guys. We want to thank you for being on the podcast. Hey guys, post note here. We did speak to Chris over at Blu-ray about the crazy times everybody's experiencing. And he did say, if you do order Blu-ray, mention Pool Nation when you order and they will try to take care of you when you order. So thanks to Chris for that. Hope everybody has a great week. John, Bob, I want to thank you for your time and we'll talk next week. All right. We'll see you guys next time. Take care. Have a good one. Bye-bye. Have a good one. Bye, guys. Thanks for listening to the Pool Nation podcast, a member of the Pool Nation family. You can listen to us live every Friday here at 9 a.m. Pacific, 11 a.m. Central, and 12 noon Eastern Standard Time. You can find us at Pool Nation or PoolNationPodcast.com, on Facebook, or on Instagram at Pool.Nation. And to find more info about Pool Invoice, the billing software built specifically for the pool industry, go to PoolInvoice.com. Before you go, this is what the pool industry has been waiting for. PoolManUniversity.com. It's the first platform dedicated dedicated to learning the swimming pool service and repair industry, a pool service community where you can connect and find videos on business, service, water chemistry, and repairs. See you there at PoolManUniversity.com. Pool Nation, all rights reserved. No part of this podcast may be reproduced in a verbal or nonverbal way, may not be distributed. It may not be distributed in any social media platforms or transmitted in any other forms or any other means, including recording or other electronic or mechanical methods without the prior written permission of Pool Nation.